Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. 6.30, Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio. 6.30, Chad. 6.06 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott with you this Friday night for the final hour of the show. Reed Wilkins coming up at 7 o'clock with Inside Sports. And the Oilers and Dallas Stars tango at 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon on 6.30. Chad, and that means we have an 11.30 face-off show for you. Uh, so get the coffee on. I, I'll drink coffee all day, all morning, all afternoon. I love it stimulates the senses so put the coffee on and join reed nice and early tomorrow and then we'll do it all over again on holiday monday if you so choose to join us oilers now brought to you by world of spas you can keep in touch on the ashley fine floors text line 780-496-0063 get the new floors you've always wanted with ashley fine floors 143rd street 111th avenue open monday to saturday Still to come, we'll hear from uh, David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. They keep track of all sorts of A-grade scoring chances, and oh boy, did Edmonton ever surrender a lot of those in the second period against St. Louis in that 6-3 loss last night. But overall, we'll take uh, uh, sort of that bird's-eye view of how Edmonton has actually been playing. That 16-game win streak was fun, but there was a lot of games there in which they weren't playing to a standard that we know that they can, and they got some bounces that they weren't getting in the beginning part of the season and hey uh, they're in a pretty reasonable spot in the standings as a result so right now what we're seeing is the schedule condensed they are uh, they're blasting through a game every other day and in the midst of essentially what is a seven game road trip save for that one pit stop at home against Detroit and then three more on the road here so uh, that is the story of that we are going to connect with uh, former Euler, now a Washington Capitals analyst, and he's a friend of the show. He's spent some time living in the Dallas area, so we'll have a thought on the stars coming up as well. But it's Alan May on a Throwback Friday, brought to you by Conlin Motorsports. They'll help you get out there. Uh, visit one of Conlin Motorsports' four locations across Alberta or online at conlinmotorsports.ca. Al, you, you got a new company out there. How are things going at uh, Monumental Sports Network. Well, you know, the biggest, it's basically everyone's the same. They just bought the network and we're just waiting. We're in temporary studios right now when we're not in the arena. Uh, and our new studios have been delayed, but they're going to be some of the most technologically advanced studios there are certainly in the NHL. And I, I can't wait to get in the new studio from all the renderings I've seen it. Uh, I haven't done any tours. I don't want to go in go into it until it's all the way ready but it's supposed to be pretty spectacular now we had heard a little while ago about a, a an arena deal in virginia is anything new coming from that actually i just sat in on a meeting today with that and there uh you know the one of the big issues is when you hear about these arenas you assume a, a billionaire getting taxpayers to pay for his arena but they're not doing that the team's putting in a huge chunk of cash 
and then with the help of the state of Virginia, they're getting a loan, uh, a AAA bond rating loan, and they're going to the team will pay off through taxes and ticket surcharges at all events there. There's going to be a concert venue. There's going to be a 20,000 seat arena, new television studios, restaurants, all of that. On everything that's sold there, everything that's watched, viewed, whatever, there's going to be taxes that pay off the bonds, and actually they're going to end up paying about a $12 billion total. So the state of Virginia will end up being very profitable from getting this done once it's approved. I don't know if that's something that Arizona could take notes on, but uh, certainly worth the conversation uh, when you think about Mullet Arena, which is a stop on this Oilers road trip, Al, but not before Dallas and, of course, the game uh, last night against St. Louis, which featured uh, one of the most frustrating periods that Oilers fans have had to endure their team playing in in months, maybe even back to the first couple games of the season as as far as how tough that second period was. Uh, You know, just talk about the up-and-down nature of, of the course of a season in which we've now seen a team that we know can achieve such highs and, and has with that 16-game winning streak, uh, but also there's there's some some tumultuousness to all of this at the end of the day, and, and uh, you're not going to win every single game. You know, one of the tough parts about playing in a, a hockey hotbedded market like Edmonton is every little thing is magnified and you look at the 16 game winning streak what a great feat that was but you know everyone's kind of firing you're, you're winning games that you a lot of people say you shouldn't but you know what it's about getting the w whether you win eight seven or, or, or lose one nothing you're trying to get the w's and it doesn't matter how you get them you, you just get them and a lot of times you know i, I had heard uh, fans complaining about evan bouchard not taking a shot, not getting a shot off a couple times in the Las Vegas game, but he played pretty damn good in the 16 games. And, you know, they're, they're, you get a little bit tired when there's some fatigue. And, you know, I don't know how much proof there is, but coaches will always say out of big, long winning streaks end up coming losing streaks and, and a tough period of play. Well, you know, everything's going well, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone starts picking apart, you know, the little things that aren't going right for you or aren't going well. And it just becomes a thing where you got to settle down, refocus. And I think the adversity is good for the Oilers. Not like they didn't deal with enough of it in the first month of the season when they had to fire their coach. And obviously it was a change that needed to be made because the, the quality of play, the style of play is, in my opinion, way more conducive to playoff success. One of the things that uh, I think also hurt to market like Edmonton is you're always hearing about having to add pieces and, you know, make trades and everything that goes with that. In these southern markets in the United States, you hear none of that. And it's just on to the next game. Your roster is your roster. You get some help. You get acclimated to a new player. So I think it can be emotionally draining on a lot of the players, especially if you hear, you know, someone talking about getting a fourth-line center. We need another goaltender. You know, how does it make those players feel? Does it put them on edge as they're playing the games? And in the southern markets where they continue winning the Stanley Cups and none of the northern markets are, uh, I, I think it's a lot easier to play down here. And, you know, the Oilers have had it pretty good the last few months, and I think it's just a blip in the road. St. Louis has been kind of one of those bizarre teams that uh, lays an egg one night and comes out and beats you by a touchdown. But it's uh, it's just part of playing in the National Hockey League. Everyone thinks it's them, but it's in every market. Every team's got a weird schedule. Every team's got a tough schedule. Every team has back-to-backs. 
and you just have to acclimate it and, uh, you know, ride through the bumps and bruises of the season. And we've talked so many times on the show, and I'm sure with you, Al, just about how they're getting the best that every team has to offer every night every time they're on the ice and maybe that's why uh, you know it's taking them sometimes until the third period to to be able to come back in these games or or whatever it is I think the one positive thing is we see them come back to reality and, and come I won't say crashing back to earth because it's I guess two and three in the five games since the all-star break uh, but you're getting a better look at or a more realistic look at some of the holes you're going to have to fill come deadline time um, I don't know how close you're you're following the team but uh, do you have an idea is it becoming an easier question to answer or maybe is it becoming more difficult now as we're inside a month of the march 8th deadline as far as what edmonton truly needs to address you know I, i i just go back to the year that the capitals won the stanley cup no one had picked them to win the cup uh the oilers you know everyone a lot of people were picking them to win the cup during the off season and, you know, there, there comes with, with those high expectations, there becomes a lot of negativity that goes with it anytime something goes south. But, you know, I, I do love to watch the Oilers play. Uh, you know, you've got some of the most entertaining players in the league. Uh, I certainly love to see overtime games that the Oilers are involved in. I love to watch their power play. The penalty kill is so much better. But I go back to that Washington team. They made one minor trade, and they got the seventh or eighth defenseman from the Chicago Blackhawks, Michael Kempney. And for some reason, about the fourth game in the season, he was paired with John Carlson, and it was a perfect match. And no one would have thought that. No one would have, you know, deemed that he was going to be going to be so valuable to winning the Stanley Cup. So, you know, everyone's going after these marquee names. You fill a lot of the radio shows, the blogs. You know, Twitter's out of control with, you know, who needs to go where and who's – but it's about teams coming together with no matter who's on the roster. And I know that year that the Capitals did it, uh, it was the game that they had played in Pittsburgh, and it was Ovi's 1,000th game. And I can't remember now if it was March 1st or April 1st, but something clicked in that team. And they, they developed a style of play and a confidence in each other. And they went on and found a way to win the Stanley Cup. And it was a lot of grit. Uh, there was times they had to, you know, go fire wagon, but mostly it was about grit and it was about hunkering down defensively. And I think that's the bottom line. Edmonton's got to figure out, you know, when are they going to hunker down defensively? When are they going to have to play gritty? And when do the times, you know, they, they turn on the afterburners to, you know, just smoke teams with their, their speed and their offensive ability. I don't think you need a whole lot. And at the start of the year, obviously the system was wrong because all six defensemen that were in the lineup every night didn't look like they knew what they were doing. And obviously, you know, they're all really good hockey players. And you could pick everyone apart at the start of the season. Now it's really hard. And just, you know, people love to go after Evan Bouchard. It kind of reminds me of all the people that used to go after Larry Murphy, who ended up, I think, three Stanley Cups, maybe more, and ended up in the Hall of Fame. And he had his detractors all the time so I think you have a really good team there uh, and you never know who the right player is that's not always the one that you keep talking about in trade sometimes it's a kid that comes up from your American Hockey League team and he and he hits pay dirt at the right time and, and comes in hot and all of a sudden you've got a team that can win a Stanley Cup 
Chatting with Washington Capitals analyst Al May on a throwback Friday brought to you by Conlin Motorsports. So you talk about grits and obviously Corey Perry factoring in now brings enough of that on his own. I like how the deployment with Evander Kane had been going, although you see a performance like that in the second period and you know the blender is coming out for all of the lines. Uh, But overall, uh, a few games worth of him assimilating becomes just the assist shy last night of the Gordie Howe hat trick. What do you think about his fit and what he can bring and, and has brought already to Edmonton? I think the greatest thing about Corey Perry is he can fit in on any team. And and it doesn't matter what his speed is or isn't. Uh, He's gritty. He comes to play. Uh, He understands, you know, the important parts of the game and what has to be done. And he he can wake up a game. He can agitate. uh, He'll he'll score goals in the rough and tough and tumble areas. Uh, He does things necessary to win. So, you know, would it be better if he was lower in the lineup? I think so, but at the same time, he he can really play and fit in with anyone, and because he does all the right things, and you know he, he's never been an exciting looking hockey player, but once again, he was also a Hart Trophy winner. So there's got to be something to it that that many people thought he was the most valuable player in the National Hockey League. So there's a lot to like about Corey Perry. Uh, I think it was a great addition. Uh, all the noise aside, when it comes to game time, he comes to play hockey every night, and he plays it hard. So I, I think. He, as I said, I think he can fit in with rookies. He can fit in with your superstars. Uh, but he plays the game to win. He always has. And uh, so easy to love. Yeah, that level of an emotional engagement you can see right now. Uh, even how Evander Kane is kind of drawn further back into the fight than he may have been for the last couple of weeks, three weeks, a month, I might suggest, before that. Uh, hey, I got to talk with you, Al, about, um, you know what? No, we're going to get to Ridley Gregg and Mor- Morgan Riley shortly. But let's talk about Dallas because this is a big test for Edmonton tomorrow afternoon. We won't talk about the fact that it's a matinee game. I think that's that's really insignificant, the team traveling today, and that's why I'm talking with everybody tonight. Uh, but I, I look at a Stars team that has an incredibly deep roster. They're littered with top-end talent as well. They've got a guy in Haskinen that can skate with McDavid. I mean, it's going to be a tough test, and it, it's not an accident that they're second in the West behind Vancouver. No, and they kind of play a playoff brand of hockey all season long, and, and the addition of Duchesne was excellent. Uh, he's fit in really well. The fact that you have, like, Tyler Sagan a lot of nights on the third line, Jamie Benn, you know, deeper down on the roster, but they've got a great blend of defensemen. They've got a great blend of talent and grit, and they're kind of built for the playoffs. They've got a lot of players that you like. You know, the, the big thing for them is, would, is, is Robertson going to be a better player in the playoffs his next go-around? Is he going to be more productive? Is he going to add more uh, to what he needs to to be successful in the playoffs? But these two teams are kind of tailored to play against each other. And, and they are – you talk about Haskin, and he's one of the most beautiful skaters in the league, uh, and especially for defense and the way that he can skate backwards and everything that he can do. Uh, he, he's incredible. And if he wasn't playing in Dallas, we'd be talking about him every night for the Norris Trophy uh, if you were in more of a hockey hotbed. But, you know, the, the, both of these teams have their strength. Both of these teams have their weaknesses. And ultimately it comes down to two teams – that understand how they have to play to be successful. And the Oilers realize now 
a lot like those old Oilers teams that were run and gun. You know, they'd race you during the season, and all of a sudden in the playoffs they'd clamp down. This Oilers team is now learning how to play, uh, you know, the defensive package of the game, how to play without the puck, uh, when to be physical. I like that they step up for each other physically. They've got some snarl when they need it. Uh, and Dallas can be the same way. Uh, they've got gritty players, but two rosters. you, you got goaltenders that are playing with confidence. And, you know, it's one of those – it's another game. You never know who's going to win when the, this version of the Stars is playing this version of the Oilers. So I'm excited to watch that as well. Uh, a rivalry renewed in Ontario over the weekend as we see uh, a bit of a reckless, uh, youthful exuberance end up prompting an old-school response from Morgan Riley. He sits on the sidelines now for five games. I don't imagine that is going to change if we haven't had that ruling yet from uh, Gary Bettman. But, uh, hey, you as an old-schooler and, and a former sort of enforcer of that kind of thing, I'm sure you felt uh, a particular type of way when you saw Redley Greg do that. Or did you? Did he really break the quote-unquote code? Well, there, I don't know if there was a code when I played. Uh, you just had to pay the price when you did anything crazy. But uh, I kind of loved what the kid did because it's easy to hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. They probably are the most hated team in the National Hockey League. And when he did it, don't forget I played with his dad. But regardless, I, I was laughing my ass off when he did it. And then when I saw what Morgan Riley did, I, I thought it was way too much. And a lot of people said, and I say this as a guy who had to learn the hard way. I did a lot of aggressive things in junior hockey when I first got in the minor leagues. And there comes a point in your career where, where you have to say, like, you do things and you instantly regret them. And you say, well, I meant to do this. Well, it doesn't matter what you meant to do. It's what you did do. And it's easy for me to say, but, you know, I was never a cross-check to the face or neck kind of guy. I was a drop the gloves and square off and go after. But I just felt I liked that Morgan Riley went after him a little bit. And it's kind of one of those things that's a little overplayed that you disrespected us. You know, you, I would think that you could hold off till next game. But if he did engage him, I thought he should have dropped his gloves maybe grappled and threw some punches and, and you know, if he had to throw the punches, but it, it's just one of those things. I, I love that, you know, Greg probably hates the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. And, but I think Morgan Riley crossed the line. I thought that the, the, the suspension should have been five or six games myself. Uh, there's a lot of people that are currently playing that are, are saying, well, when I first started, well, it hasn't been that way in the national hockey league for a long time. Guys get away with murder and they don't have to pay the price. And Ridley Greg hardly did anything other than, you know, give a big middle finger to the Toronto Maple Leafs when he scored the empty net goal. So uh, I don't, I'm, I don't think it warranted a cross check to the head. And uh, but if they wanted to have a talk with him, that's fine. But I, I think Morgan Riley definitely screwed up. And then just in conclusion here, so yesterday, I guess after the game in in which uh, Jack Hughes took an elbow up high from Victor Arvidsson, he's uh, I'll as I say caught very loosely, but he says people pay to watch me play. And, and so now you've got, you know, just, I don't know if it's arrogance or just a different mentality, but it seems like uh, he's, he's a first overall pick. And, and while he's not been around for very long, like, I just think that you owe the game a little more respect than that to be turning around and, and saying something along those lines. He's right, but I don't know that, uh, put it this way, I think it's pretty foreign for, for me up here in northern Canada to hear somebody just outwardly acknowledge it like that. It's a different generation out there for sure. Uh, you know what? I, I talked a lot of trash when I played, and I said anything that I possibly could. And there was guys that 
I, there were certain lines that I didn't cross, but I crossed a lot of lines. And, you know, so, so it's quick, it's witty, it's kind of fresh that he, that he said it the way he did. At the same time saying something like that, you better have your head on a swivel next time you play against that guy because you never know what may happen. And, you know, so I, I think it's good gamesmanship. I, I, I love guys talking trash on the ice. I, I, you know what I do miss, Britton, is play, all the pushing and shoving after the whistles. You know, like the old WWF refing and, and you know, guys like the heat and the emotion of the game. And I, I kind of look back on my childhood and watching Oiler games and a guy like Laurie Boschman coming in with the Winnipeg Jets and spearing Gretz and getting involved with every all game long, like face and how much I hated that guy. And then I started to become that guy when, <laughs> when I played pro hockey. And, and it's to upset the other team. It's to get in their head. So... You know, who, who won that game yesterday? And you, you look what they were able to do. And, and you know, there, there's trash talking. There's things that get said. But now because we have so much access, uh, I think t- things tend to get blown out of proportion from what they really are. The Kings won the game. Uh, and that's that's the last laugh. It, it, it's who wins the game. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what trash you talk, but it works out better for them that all of a sudden Jack Hughes is going off the ice with Arvidsson. So it's it's just one of those things. It's heat of the moment stuff. I think Jack Hughes uh, is kind of a hilarious kid. His interviews that he does, uh, it's a lot of off-the-cuff stuff. So I, I'm not against him. Uh, and if he was going at it with me, I would have been saying the same type of stuff right back to him. And 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 nowadays with all these mics, you got to be so much more careful about what you say. But if you ever said something like that to Tom Wilson, Tom Wilson would annihilate him with about five more chirps because he's that good at it. <laughs> That is Alan May uh, jumping aboard here for Conlon Motorsports once again. Remind you that some guests of Oilers now receive gift cards to Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite place to celebrate your special occasion. Try a Wagyu steak today. And with close to 35 years in business, Brent Ridge Ford has many long-term loyal customers. If you currently own an F-150, you can get up to $16,000 off of a new F-150. If you want to be treated fairly at every aspect of vehicle ownership and get award-winning service, call our friends at Brent Ridge Ford, 780-352-6048. Ask for Rich, Johnny, and Uncle Milt in sales, or Kevin, Margie, and Mike in service. And remember that cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. All right, we will uh, press pause once again here. It's Brendan Escott with you on the Friday edition of Oilers Now. David Staples from the Cult of Hockey in the Edmonton Journal is coming up after a global news weather traffic update. Thomas Dias.